Before you guys listen to this podcast, um, I will post part one. The intro, I think, and the outro may or may not be a little different because I'm not, I don't quite remember how I had recorded that episode. Um, but this is part one. Well, this right here is part two that you're about to listen to, but I want you to listen to part one of the forgotten trauma, the adoption trauma, because that ties into this current podcast episode right here, which is part two. So stop what you're doing and go listen to part one first. Hello and welcome to the Tea House. I am your host, your guide, Tiffany K. Welcome back. Um, a lot has happened. We have to have a conversation. So allow me to pour you a cup of tea while you settle in. Hello, friends. So as usual, I have my cup of tea right here. I hope that you have yours. Um, unfortunately, I do not have my diffuser because um, my boys managed to shatter my glass dome. If you guys don't know, I have uh, what you call a Young Living Araya diffuser. It's absolutely beautiful. And my boys managed to shatter the dome a few days ago. So a replacement is on the way, but for now, I do have some Moonchild playing in the back. I'm hoping it's not too loud. Um, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do this episode, if I'm going to split this up into two parts, because this also is almost in continuation of a previous podcast episode I had done on a previous podcast that was mine. Um... It's about the forgotten trauma, the adoption trauma. I actually had a conversation with my... Okay, so real quick, before we get started, I am so sorry. But my neighbor is cutting his grass. And of course, as soon as I press record, he decides to cut his grass. So you probably will hear that going on in the background. I apologize. I had a conversation with my adoptive father yesterday. Um, Today is, I'm actually not quite sure what today is. Oh, today is September the 28th. And of course, September the 27th, I managed to have a conversation with my adoptive father and it went really well. We had a conversation for over an hour, just kind of discussing what we had been through within the past you know three years uh how this situation and how all this stuff resurfacing has affected me has affected him um has affected you know our relationship how he looks at relationships and his outlook and perspective on different things that occurred in his life um throughout his life growing up and how it kind of channeled into raising me 
and why they didn't tell me, you know, I was adopted and things like that. So first off, we're going to start off with um, they didn't tell me um, that I was adopted because my adoptive mom was in the school system. So she pretty much knew how kids are. And the generation now is even more rough than it was, you know, even when, you know, when I was a child. And now the reason that they're telling me is because they did not want me to get bullied or teased or anything like that, you know, when word got out that I was adopted. So they decided not to tell me um, for that reason, which I, that is insanely reasonable. You know, I truly believe that. They said they had no ill intent or anything to not tell me, but that was, you know, the main reason. And then during the periods of my life that my adoptive father was kind of like, well, maybe we should tell her something happened, such as um, my he wanted to tell me at my sweet 16, but he didn't want to take that moment from me. He wanted to tell me at my BMT graduation, but once again, he didn't want to take that from me. Um, he wanted to tell me um, on several occasions But things just kept happening. You know, I was sexually assaulted in the Air Force. Um, Me and my husband uh, was going through some issues in our marriage. And, you know, we had to take some time apart. And then, you know, it was just literally this snowball effect of a lot of things. And it just never quite seemed to be the right time when I was of age to really understand and be able to process that type of information. I mean, because, you know, as a young child, how would I have honestly reacted if I was told, hey, you know, you're adopted, you know, we're not your real parents, you know. I do appreciate them waiting, I guess, to tell me until I was of age, even though they did not physically tell me. I feel like their intentions were truly pure. And we literally had a great discussion. You know, we talked, we laughed, and it's... For me, it broke down to the fact of, like, at the end of the day, they are both human, just like I am. They make mistakes, and so do I. You know, parents are held at a very high standard, I guess, because we are given the title parent. But just because you're given the title parent doesn't necessarily mean that you are always right, or always correct and you are both the student and the teacher in life especially when it does come to kids because children will teach you a lot even when you have kids um trauma and things that you thought that you healed from will come up one way or another and there's this thing that's like you should heal first before you have children or it's going to come back up again but I honestly think you don't need to a thousand percent heal before starting a family before connecting with somebody because sometimes that your kids or your spouse or whoever you connect with is in a sense your community to help you through that and I feel like when you adopt a child that's a major thing because you never know how their family was unless you know it's really open and then the parents want to see you and things like that um he was not able to tell me you know like full details because at that time like I've said previously before, he worked out of town a lot. He was gone like six months out of the year altogether. He has literally been to three of my birthdays out of like 18 years. And one of those was my sweet 16. 
So whenever he came home, it was more so like vacation time and things like that. And then he was on the road again once things started picking back up. Um, so because of that, he was not there for a whole lot of things. And you could tell that he kind of felt sorry about that, that he wasn't able to really be a very super active part of my life like he really wanted to. And that included at that time uh, part of my actual adoption. So he wasn't able to tell me like full details of exactly how that process was and how it went for him. The adoption from more so his perspective was that they wanted to make sure their attentions were pure when it came to adopting me. And when I say they, I mean, I guess like the agency or whoever they were in contact with for the adoption part. They showed a terrible, I won't say terrible, but I was really premature, like real tiny. Like I could literally fit in one hand. I could literally fit in the palm of your hand. I was that tiny. And they showed them that picture and was like would you like to adopt this baby still because they were trying to be really selective in who adopted me and even then they still said yes and then they were like okay so then they turned the page and they were like okay this is what she looks like now so they literally showed me at my worst with a whole bunch of tubes really tiny small and frail and they still said yes and then literally turned the page and was like okay this is what she looks like now and at that time I was almost two years old all I had was this trach and it's like this white tube that goes in my neck that um offered me the chance to breathe because I wasn't really able to breathe on my own as a child and I think still some of that medical diagnosis wasn't really explained my actual birth mother still has no idea exactly why I was so sickly and so frail they wouldn't really give her much information about that and I know that was a lot to take on you know, this family is struggling to have a child, so they decide to adopt one. On top of that, that one has a lot of health issues. And then they tell you this baby may have a lot of challenges and things like that. And you're willing to take that head on. And as a mom, I could just imagine that. What if my kids needed extra um, extra medical assistance, mental assistance, all of that? Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into being a parent other than oh just keeping a child alive and beautiful pictures and things like that so I can just imagine how it was for her you know you're basically doing this on your own of course you're married you know and you have a husband and he's there and he's supportive as much as he truly can be but my adoptive mom was pretty much raising me on her own with my dad as assistants Whenever he had the chance to, whenever he was able to, he was very active in my life, honestly, as much as he really could be, because he really couldn't physically be there due to his job and due to him traveling so much. And that's really a lot to take on. So, you know, not only are you taking on this child with health issues, but now you have to kind of readjust how you're living, uh, make sure that baby's okay, um, make sure your husband's okay, you're literally doing a lot of things by yourself, and that includes, you know, I had breathing treatments growing up, um, I was in, what was it, I think it was called No Child Left Behind at that time, and I think it is now something else, um, I was in, you know, speech therapy, 
because I used to stutter a lot and I used to have so much to say and couldn't get it out and I struggled with comprehension. There were a lot of things that, you know, I struggled with during due to me being so premature and so frail and you know I'm blessed at the fact that they even took that chance to adopt me so my adoptive father has you know a lot of love and appreciation for my adoptive mother which is his wife and that conversation really pretty much opened my eyes into thinking like man you know you guys are human literally just like me you guys are trying to figure out life and just because you're a parent doesn't excuse life from happening to you. And I'm not saying I made all perfect decisions because in no way did I. <laughs> you know, I was a kid, so I'm going to do stupid stuff. Like, I'm going to steal, I think, when I got of age and, what do they call it? Smelling yourself, quote unquote. It's like an old school term. <laughs> but, you know, I had a little boyfriend, you know. And even while my adoptive parents were not home, I would sneak him into the house and all this crazy stuff. Like, y'all, it was crazy. And I'm really grateful, you know, for them taking the time out to even adopt me, to even raise me. Because, I mean, to be honest, there's really no telling where my life would be, where I would even be in life right now, if it wasn't for them. Like, I was quite aware I was more privileged than other children growing up. Like, I'm not dumb. I'm highly aware of that. I know I was given things and I was blessed with things that a lot of kids my age were not or they had to work for themselves versus having a parent that was able to give to them and bless them instead. And really talking to my dad, he said it really opened his eyes to a lot of things, kind of like my perspective on what's going on. And it kind of gave him a bigger perspective of things that he experienced within the last few years including how he grew up you know his parents were separated so you know he would stay with his mom for a little while and then he would stay with his dad for a little while and there was different type of structures different type of disciplines and things like that going on within each household so it was like two different two different lifestyles in a sense with his mom he had a lot more freedom but with his dad, you know, he was more strict, um, didn't play around with them a whole lot, things like that. Um, with my, you know, mother, um, my doctor's mom, she was, I think there were like seven of them, if I'm not mistaken. Six girls and one boy, a married household, um, you know. They were in the church. They grew up in the church. Um, they, they were raised rough, especially as girls. You know, six girls and one boy. Like, my adoptive mom is nobody to play with. That girl is, that woman is a tough woman. Like, truly, she didn't take nobody's mess. And <laughs> she still doesn't. Like, how she feels, she gonna say it. And she may or may not consider the emotional part of somebody's feelings but she says what she got to say you know and I do appreciate that you know and my dad apologized you know for the things that were said and how stuff within the past three years have completely went left and I know when emotions and tension is extremely high whatever comes out of your mouth you know comes out of your mouth and I know what do they say? I think somewhere that they say the Bible says that 
whatever's in your heart, the mouth speak it. And I think that's why sometimes you have to be careful because emotions lie deep down within your soul, within your body. So sometimes whatever you act off of emotions, it's going to come out because that's how you feel within your heart at that time. It may not be a permanent thought or something that you actually want to physically stick with, but what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth, especially if it is emotionally driven, which is why they say when you are angry, you need to be careful what you say. You need to calm down and take a breath. And that's why they also say you, when it comes to discipline, you do not discipline your child when you are actually angry. You discipline them for the action. Because if you discipline your child out of strictly anger, it could be worse than you actually disciplining the action itself. And sometimes what comes with kids, sometimes you just got to tell them a million times over <laughs> stuff. Sometimes disciplining them does not necessarily mean popping them or whooping them. And I'm actually learning that because my son's... <laughs> They are something, you know, they are absolutely something. My oldest is a highly sensitive individual, dude required on the spot for any and everything, and he's three. And he is slightly speech delayed, so we're trying to, you know, work through that and give him extra care and things like that. And then my youngest, he's almost two, and not even two yet. And he's honestly pretty kind of advanced. He's already trying to talk. Um, he nods yes or no to you when you ask him a question. Uh, he doesn't cry too much, but his main thing is if you tell him no, dude has a dude is crying. Like you just tried to chop his arm off or something. But I know for sure he's gonna grow out of that. Dude's not literally not even two. He can pretty much identify emotions and things like that. My three year old, you know, my oldest, he's almost potty trained. It's just that poop, man. Like it's crazy. I think going through this entire, you know three plus year process like I literally haven't had a sensible calm conversation with my adoptive father in over three years like actually sit down and have a conversation I don't think we've ever actually done that my entire life no ill feelings we came in truly open-minded he heard what I had to say not just listened I heard what he had to say and not just listened and we legit had a proper conversation and exchange of words, how we felt and things like that. And I think healing is definitely taking place, which is great because I was literally quite nervous, actually, going into that conversation because, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. It's been over three years. A lot of ill words have been said, ill intentions have been spat out. Things between the two families have been said, including over social media. Um, and it has been an insane whole thing. <laughs> and to be able to just sit down, you know, over the phone and really be able to talk about it and hear each other out and laugh and talk about how we felt, how it has been, you know, for me growing up in the house, for him growing up and how those things contributed to how he raised me as best as he thought, you know, that he could. And that includes also, you know, my adoptive mom, his wife. I think that they tried their best in what they could. Because here's the thing, when you adopt a child, it's different than having your own, regardless. 
you could be with somebody and you guys choose to adopt and then you guys have a baby or the other way around you know you guys have a baby biologically and then you guys choose to adopt uh you can love that child like they are your own and i'm pretty sure that you will because you chose to adopt that person or that child or whoever that person is but I feel like there will always be some type of emotional, not dysregulation, but there's going to be a little bit of emotional slight detachment because it's different than having something that is yours versus something that is not yours. Biologically, that child is not yours. So sometimes that emotional connection is not fully there as much as if you were to have your own child. It's, you know, it's different than having your own things versus you know, borrowing somebody else's things in a sense. Um, That's probably a terrible analogy, but you guys kind of get what I'm saying. And I think somewhere along the line, like growing up and things like that, we kind of miss that emotional connection. Like, yes, they loved me as their own. They treated me as their own for the most part. But, you know, some of that emotional was lacking because I am not theirs. It's just like... Um, you get a new toy for yourself or something like that. Like say, you know, as a child, you give a child a toy and then, I don't know, you know, I think that emotional thing, I think going through this whole thing within the past three years has allowed a lot of growth and a lot of weeds and seeds to slowly just start getting the proper water it needed. Like, it has been years since me and my adoptive father has been able to have a good conversation, especially longer than an hour. And, you know, we talked about, you know, generational things, um, you know, how it was for him, how it was for him growing up, how that trickled into him being a father and trying to raise me the best he could while also not actively being in the house all the time. And I think, you know, the same grace goes to my adoptive mother as well. She was doing a lot by herself. And that is a strong woman, you know, let alone her own life, you know, going on outside of being a mother, you know, um, my doctor dad was also, and he is, a preacher. So, you know, she also, she had a lot to carry on her plate on top of caring for a child that honestly isn't even hers. You know, they decided to adopt me and I'm forever, you know, grateful for that. And I think part of what happened with us, especially even while growing up, is that, you know, they did the best that they could and they loved me in the best way that they probably, you know, thought was the best and the thing is with that is oftentimes there is I won't say an emotional deregulation but there is a little bit of a disconnection emotionally because you know I am biologically not theirs it there is a different connection between you know somebody that is biologically yours and somebody that isn't and I'm not saying you can't love that child like your own of course, you know, of course, I'm pretty sure you will definitely 100% love that child like they are yours. You wouldn't treat them any different or anything like that. But I know psychologically, literally, 
there is a slight disconnect or deviation somewhere in there. Um, I am majoring in psychology <laughs> and that it happens. And it's not of ill will or ill intention most of the time. It's just quite literally how we function. It's just like um, we are quickly to spot mistakes more than we are likely to spot not mistakes. We are likely to spot something that isn't quite right versus talking about the things that are right. Because our body is naturally kind of not trained, but we naturally pay attention to the things that aren't quite in alignment with other things. And I do feel like when it comes to adoption, there should be extra resources available to be able to actively navigate through that. Because a lot of times, especially when a child is a little older or has been in this actual system, sometimes things like that tend to get drowned out and a child has behavioral issues and things like that. And I feel like Things like that are often overlooked, and that's when a child is usually labeled bad or um, disgruntled. And this is when children get all these types of labels and things that aren't true. And this is where medications come in and a lot of health issues and mental health issues. And kids are often labeled for things that isn't wrong. And now you're given a medication that is literally creating a chemical imbalance that wasn't even there in the first place. Sometimes kids literally just need to go to therapy. <laughs> sometimes they just need to talk it out or they need to write it out or they need to draw it out. Or sometimes they just need extra help with stuff. And as a child, it's already hard. You know, you got to deal with bullying and a whole bunch of other things. And that's one thing that I think parents don't understand. A lot of parents and older adults, especially the older generation, you know, around my parents' age, my husband's parents' age, is they're like, you know, uh, you guys are young. What do you guys have to stress about? You guys don't have to pay bills and things like that. But this society is completely different than it was for them growing up. Like, sure, you don't have to pay bills, but honestly, quite honestly, there are some that do fairly young. And you just never know what a child is going through in their life. Um, even one that you have in the house with you, you just never know what is going on with that child at that time, including the one that's physically in the house with you. There could be a lot of outside factors that you have no idea about that they could be internalizing. And then that gets, you know, broadcasted in different ways. They don't want to go out, um, or they, all they do is want to go out. Uh, they don't want to talk to you or all they do is want to talk to you, um, for me, I think a lot of things became internalized in the sense of just always feeling different and always feeling left out. So I kind of retreated into the shell. And then sometimes I wasn't able to freely express myself in the household. So I resulted to writing and things like that. Writing has always been in my blood basically since I was like four or five years old. Uh, my adoptive parents can literally back that up. I have been a writer <laughs> for years. I even still actually have some of my old, like, quote-unquote, first, first books that I have, like, ever typed up or written. And it is so cute just seeing <laughs> that now. And, man, you know, I just kind of retreated in this show. 
never really left the room and things like that. It's just like I felt a connection with them, but it was only to a certain extent. Um, like I always knew something was different. Like I said, that intuition was always there. That thought in the back of my head that something wasn't quite right was always there. And I think, you know, I never had that initial connection with my mother really fully, you know, practically out of the womb. They were kind of like, here you go. Um, in a sense, I was partially in the system, but only for like a year and a half, barely. I was with a caregiver. Then I was with my actual mother for a little while. And then I was with someone else. And then um, and then the Joneses actually adopted me. I was supposed to go to somebody else. I was with this other like elderly white lady, but she had gotten sick or something like that. And I think that's how I ended up um, fully with the Joneses, at least from my understanding, at least from what my mother is aware of. Um, and this is, I mean, like my birth mother. I have not been able to talk to my adoptive mom as of yet. And it will happen. You know, um, my heart is, is it's softening. It's, it's opening up a little bit more to allowing that conversation, you know, that healing conversation with her. Because I've had one, you know, basically with my adoptive father now. And now, you know, it's really time to just squash this to just take a breather, to accept each other as we are and heal and move on. You know, the black community, we tend to hold stuff over people's heads for freaking ever. <laughs> and I don't like that. I have always been a pretty soft individual, not even going to lie. I've always been pretty soft, pretty gentle. I am what you would consider an empath. I feel everything deeply. I can walk in the room and tell you how some people in the room are feeling just by walking in and, and sometimes I take on that energy I'm like a sponge sometimes um if somebody's upset and we're in the same room where I'm sitting next to them now I'm upset because I done you know picked up that energy and internalized it and it's absolutely crazy um so uh, it's gonna show it's gonna come it's gonna isn't it's gonna happen probably faster, way faster than anybody has expected. I've already talked to my husband and uh, he's supportive in whatever decision, you know, that I decide to make. Um, I am, you know, healing quite literally in it. This whole thing has been pretty much insane. And just to hear where my dad came from, and, you know, I've always heard stories, of course, growing up, but now that I'm older and I have a husband and now I have kids and to see and even do my own research and to see how things have transpired literally just from him growing up, what he experienced, how his marriage has been, um, to hear a little bit from his side about how it was with his wife, you know, kind of, they basically grew up together in a sense, just like me and my husband have, me and my husband got married at 19. And I think they got married fairly young too. I think it was like maybe 20, 20, but it was, that's still fairly young. Um, they were younger than 22. I know for sure when they got married and, you know, that's a lot to navigate through life growing up, you know, womanhood, uh, 
manlyhood, fatherhood, motherhood, all these hoods that you basically have to go through and these life changes and the journey that you have to go through. And, you know, I'm only 24 and my husband's 24. We have a two-year-old or almost two-year-old and a three-year-old and we're just navigating life just like they are. And you know, I'm incredibly grateful to just be in their life. Even just hearing, you know, the stories of them being brought up and their partake of what has been happening and transpiring within the past three years and how much they have grown. It's kind of like, man, you know, how much they have grown and I can grow too you know and I'm honestly grateful you know for this whole experience because a lot of growth and maturity has taken place on all parts involved mine my husband's my both of my adopted parents and you know a year ago I was not able to sit down and have you know or be on the phone and have a legit hearing and listening coherent conversation with my father and it include you know laughing and really talking about generational things things currently things how it was growing up and how basically we would like to you know move forward if that's you know something that I would like to do and Oh man, it has definitely been a bunch of growth, that emotional roller coaster throughout this whole thing. And talking about my husband is like super supportive. And this is just, you know, me and my husband are moving up in different chapters in our lives. And things are, we planted a healing seed and we've been watering it here and there, low key abandoning it here and there. And that poor little seed, you know, has slowly started sprouting and I know eventually we'll plant more seeds and it'll be a whole garden and it's going to be absolutely beautiful, you know, and after a while, you just never know. You may actually see <laughs> a picture or two of me and my adopted parents, you know, you just never know and they may finally get to see their grandbabies because they haven't got to see the oldest since I left. Um, their house which was at like when he was about two months old and then they haven't seen the youngest at all Kingston Um, and man I'm just grateful for this whole experience and what it has taught me even about honestly just being a mother and being a wife and the sacrifices that come with those things especially marrying very young and I'm just extremely grateful for all of this and yeah, you know, it um, even surprised me when he mentioned a previous podcast episode that I had recorded on a different podcast that I had. And it was basically this, the unforgotten trauma, um, the adoption trauma. And it was more of an educational thing and a little bit of my experience and how I felt as well as the research of adoption trauma like it's crazy you know and he actually told me how that pretty much kind of opened his eyes because we went through that we went through adoption trauma as a family collectively and also individually and we knew it was something 
going on but you know to actually put like a name to it like it's literally adoption trauma like it's a thing and you know I don't know and I feel like you know growing up my adoptive mom said that you know I had you know I had to see therapists and things like that because something just didn't seem quite right you know in my head or whatever and I'm wondering if that's pretty much it that we didn't know what was wrong but something was wrong you know I missed that connection with my actual family you know in a sense and my intuition and you know my deep soul really knew something wasn't quite right so maybe it was internalized and brought outward sort of um nothing was really necessarily made up but the emotions were there even in some of my writing pieces that I used to write about growing up and you know I do wonder you know maybe that's exactly what it was and people diagnosed me with all these other things just trying to think just trying to put a name a common name to whatever I was experiencing or whatever you know what was going on and I'm saying I'm telling you that's how kids get mislabeled you know people don't understand or people don't care sometimes to understand the deep-rooted cause and this is one reason why I major in integrative psychology because it's not about just the problem okay here's you know here's a pill or here's a sticker or here's a band-aid to make it better like no I want to know the real root like if you were to have a headache you know they would give you a prescription for it or just tell you to take Tylenol or whatever but they wouldn't look into the cause with integrative psychology they literally look into the cause well how have you been eating how's your nutrition um any added stress anything any new life changes okay well if this happened this day well you know maybe this could also contribute to why you know just looking at many different factors other than okay i have a headache let's treat the headache all right you're good you know and there's many underlining causes and you know i know i've been called to be a healer in some sort of way and i'm not even a thousand percent sure exactly i guess the route to the healing calling i just know that i'm called to help others that's pretty much it (laughs) and you know i'm majoring in psychology to help me out with all that and things like that and i don't know you know life is a journey for sure and you know to finally kind of understand that adoption trauma and how that literally affected the entire household is something you know and i have so much love for them i don't hate them at all like i don't hate my adoptive parents at all it's just i wanted accountability i wanted somebody to be straight up and sincere with me and have a conversation without being vindictive or combative and that's exactly what happened (laughs) after three years we finally see a little (laughs) sprout growing from our healing seed like it's it's so great and you know, adoptive dad, if you're listening, I love you and thank you for the opportunity. Adoptive mom, if you're listening, we're gonna have a conversation soon. I got you. I I didn't forget about you. I love you too, and I miss you both. And for everyone else, if you're listening, whoever's listening, whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world, 
Love openly and wholeheartedly. Breathe gracefully in whatever ways that means to you. Be kind to others because you never know what somebody's going through. For the ones going through rather an adoption process or adopted somebody, talk to them. Be kind to them. If I need to go to therapy, dang, do it. Like, don't label your child or whatever. Don't stick a medication on them in a label like bipolar disease or something and call it a day. Like, actually try to understand that person. It may be frustrating. You may have to do some digging because I'm pretty sure that person has some layers to them. Because there were layers to me that I didn't even know I had until pretty much after I got married. Until after I found out I was adopted. And it was just like, oh, now all this makes sense, you know. And I say, be kind. Seek rehabilitation, whatever way that means to you. Even if that means you take your child out um, on a stroll. Or y'all go out to the mall, or y'all go out to a park, or y'all just go do something where it's just you and your child, and y'all have a legit conversation. Be genuine, don't be vindictive, don't be combative, and just talk, and just, even if it's over the phone, that works too. Just be like, look, talk to me about whatever you want to talk to me about. I'm not gonna, I'm not here to yell, I'm not here to scream, I'm here to be serious, and I want to hear you out. Because, especially nowadays, there is so much going on in the world And there are too many suicides and things like that. And kids are going through a lot. And it increases as the generations go on because there are more things that pop up. Um, And you just never know what your child's going through. And most people don't realize that until it's too late. And I just want to say I love you guys. And I hope you guys have a great, great day. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for coming to the tea house, for sharing a cup or two with me. May this be your safe space that allows you to take off that mask and be seen, heard, and felt in all areas and directions of life. You're always welcome here.